And I spread a song so you can sing along With my special guest star or two You like to sing and dance And this podcast by chance Explores musicals for you everyone, welcome back to another episode of Life's But a Song, a podcast that likes to live in the land of musicals. I'm your host, John, and with me today is my very special guest. He's a New York City-based mm, director, choreographer, actor, dancer, anything you need, basically. According to him, he's also played every shark except for Chino in various productions of West Side Story. It's Tony Guerrero, everyone. <laughs> Hello, I'm so excited. Thank you so much for having me. This is my podcast debut. I'm very excited. <gasps> <gasps> I'll, I'll be gentle, I promise. <laughs> you don't have to. I like a little rap. <laughs> can I just say, I forgot... I, I know there's some issues with this movie, but I fucking love this movie. <laughs> oh my God, yes. It was so I'm wonderful so, to revisit it. It's been a while, so. I'm so happy you picked it. Cause like, I mean, obviously I love musicals. That's why I'm doing this whole podcast. But like this movie, man, it was just like a ray of light eh, in a very shitty week. And I was just like, oh, you're beautiful, everyone. <laughs> there's hope out there, but it's still pretty ugly out there too. And it's it was really... Um, almost startling to watch it again during this period of time of current events because yeah. I mean that's what the thing about the themes of this movie and themes of this story rather that just always is going to withstand the test of time and always going to ring true no matter when because I mean this world's never going to fully change but oof <laughs> I had a couple of moments where my jaw was on the floor and I'm like this number means something different now yes yeah um, <laughs> how many productions would you estimate you've been in I've done three world tours. Uh, I've done a couple of regional productions of it. I've done this in dinner theater with not the original choreography as well, which was really fun. Um, our, our prologue, we were fighting all through the theater and like slamming each other into people's tables. It was amazing. That was really fun. Uh, <laughs> and, um, and one of my favorite um, experiences, with, and this is completely random, but there was this corporate gig that I got to do at Ellis Island and it was like a short version. It was like a 45 minute sort of like vignetted together storytelling version of West Side Story for this whole immigrant experience at Ellis Island in New York next to the Statue of Liberty. And um, I was wow. lucky enough to be uh, recruited for uh, Natasha Diaz, one of my favorite Anitas I've ever seen in my life, who's done this show forever and ever. She performs in Washington DC a lot. She's insanely talented and she's like a Rita Moreno. She even has the wig. It's incredible. Uh, we did the tour together and she actually put the word in for me and um, I got direct booked as Bernardo. So I got to, and we did the movie version of America. My, fi yeah. my dream come true. Cause that estate, the Jerome Robbins estate is so closely stubbornly guarded that's never allowed anywhere in like the equity world so we were outside of the equity world here so it was really fun to get to do that final version that we just love so much more than the stage version i have many questions about that but let me just get the background of the movie out of the way just so we can uh, we can chit chat uh so west side story the movie came out in 1961 uh, the screenplay was by ernst lehman um who apparently wrote like a ton of musical movies. I know he wrote The King and I and uh, Sound of Music for the screenplays. So, okay, I knows, guy knows his shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, book, but 
the book is by author Lawrence, play by Jerome Robbins, uh, and music by Leonard Bernstein and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and then it's directed by Jerome Robbins and Robert Wise. And according to IMDb, two youngsters from rival New York City gangs fall in love, but tensions between their respective friends build toward tragedy. Tale as old as time. Yeah, it's Romeo and Juliet, guys, in case you didn't know. <laughs> um, but I got a question about that America. So, like, why did they change it for the movie and how come we can't do that anymore? I don't have a solid answer for that because, I mean, definitely when we were doing, I did uh, a little more background. Uh, the world tours that I did were under uh, the direction and restage choreography of Joy McNeely, who was one of the only people who has been entrusted with the Jerome Robbins blessing to carry on his legacy because he did Jerome Robbins Broadway for him. So he got to inherit the rights to like restage his work. But he put his own twist in the direction too, which I actually actually really liked. So we were too scared to ask because we were scared of him. <laughs> but I mean, there, there's a, a myth out there that you know the boys were supposed to originally be in the number and the stage manager forgot to call them in for the day. So they were like, oh, forget it. We'll just do it with the girls. But that doesn't make sense because the way the music is written, it clearly just is a Rosalia versus Anita situation so i don't really know if that one's entirely true um so i weirdly i still don't have that answer so like, I, don't, I don't have a history proven answer for that because like you i i've seen a few stage productions of this and the boys are on stage they're just hanging out for the most part on usually Tra- traditionally we're dismissed at the end because Bernardo's like, Bob, let's talk, you know, like they're going to the war council and then he and to have their own moment and then they get out because they're on the way to the war council. So while they're going to the war council, randomly Rosalia, who we haven't really heard from until just now, was all romanticizing oh. going back to Puerto Rico for a successful visit. So, so I mean, and uh, don't get me wrong, I am not knocking the original by any means because it is a thrilling number two with the four women. Um, and the one poor girl who's Margarita, who's the Anita cover, who has to sit by Rosalia and kind of be the swing. <laughs> so she just stands there by Rosalia's stool and just says, America, America, <laughs> doesn't get to do the dance breaks. So we love Margarita. She's awesome. Because yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I know, obviously, the movie version, they changed the order of the songs from the stage version. Oh, yeah. And which... I got definitely for that. <laughs> Which I was reading about it. It kind of makes sense because the stage version, they were, they wanted people to not be super depressed after, you know, like people dying or whatever. But I I feel like this version makes sense. Are we going to do this now or when it's time to do number by number? Because I have a whole thing for that. I mean, we don't have to do it number by number, but you can talk about whatever you want. It's free range. Yay, free range, just like chicken. Well, uh, but before <laughs> before we fly away from the, the America situation, because another benefit of having the boys in America and having that scene the way it is in the movie also is, and I'm going to go ahead and just preface this whole interview that I am I'm speaking from the shark perspective, so I have my bias there. That's so that's going to that's going to come out a lot. But I'm sorry, the Jets started it. It's their fault. We just came here, and they're immigrants too. So whatever. Who are you talking about? Um, um, right. So one thing about one benefit of having the boys in the American number, and I super felt this every time I did the show, I'm like, well, you get to know the Jets so well. You get to see them be whimsical and funny and play with each other and everything. And that America scene is the only time you get the shark perspective. So 
in the pre-America scene, no matter which produ production or movie, that's the only time you get to get hear from the shark boys. But then to had to flip the call and response situation to when before we have Rosalia just fantasizing about the old island and Anita saying, ah, you ugly island, island of tropic diseases. So Anita's sort of the cynic and Rosalia's a romantic one. Well, here in the movie, now we have a smarter version of the Puerto Rican experience in America by having Anita and her girls speaking about the American Puerto Rican female experience, and then Bernardo still being stuck to the old island, uh, not stuck to the old island, criticizing the, the, the community they're trying to cram themselves into and pointing out what that experience is. So you really, really get to know what the shark experience is because they're really quite silenced in the stage show and that's frustrating. Yeah, because I was, I was reading that this is one of the few, one of the few songs that, whose lyrics changed, mm -hmm. um, not because of censorship because obviously they needed it was a different time and they needed to be able to pass the mpaa ratings and all that but this one they wanted to emphasize like the racism and discrimination against the yep. puerto rican community in at least new york i mean they can't speak for the entire american experience but in new, what they witnessed in new york which i love it <laughs> because it's because <laughs> it's 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 different you know it's not I don't know what to say, how to, how to word it, because uh, I don't even, I don't even remember the stage version lyrics, but reading about it, they kind of, the my source, I don't remember if it was Wikipedia or IMDb, so take it with a grain of salt, but they are saying the stage version of America made the characters a little jokey in a way. And it also made Puerto Rico sound like a dismal, horrible third world country that doesn't even have, like uh, wall to wall floors in America. I'm like, are there no floors in Puerto Rico? Knobs on the, <laughs> knobs on the doors in America. I'm like, oh, come on. You guys have doors. Like, give me, give me a break. It just made Puerto Rico sound like super trashy. And that was another thing that was problematic about the original material. Because yeah, I wrote down as a, as a question uh, later on, why don't the sharks, sharks get their version of cool? Uh, exactly in the stage version it just makes sense to have everyone do america so this way you get like you said a little more backstory and obviously bernardo gets another layer because he's very old he would be very old school that way mm -hmm. like wanting to go back home but like uh go back to puerto rico but i don't know and you get to yeah and you get to love them more you get to love bernardo more you get to see more of that relationship between the the banter between him and anita which is brilliant because they're such a like spark plug couple and um and again just the fact that the puerto rican voice is so absent from the original production made it even more problematic it's like it, it's as if the production was aiming to address the problem while still not addressing the problem so right. it just, it's like, you guys, you get that one scene to like make your voice heard. That's it. The rest, it's like, the, it's the Jets show. And um, it is. It, and it's so sad that way. Cause like, <laughs> I, I don't understand why it has to be, you know what? Let's, let's context Stephen Sondheim be like, Hey, no. were there songs cut that were for the sharks and where, why <laughs> are they going to be in the new movie? <laughs> <laughs> you um it's i'm trying to be really careful because i don't want to be on record for any particular person or like what their leanings are but it's 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 evident 
in who originally put this thing together where their leanings were. It's evident in the script, it's evident in the choreography. And a lot of times, even during like the nightmare crosses for the somewhere ballet, which was absent in the movie, which is really unfortunate, which is another point to bookmark. You know, uh, you can see how much like the jets are so much more choreographed than the sharks. Like the jets will have a pass, it's like, and could be jeté across. And the sharks are like, run on stage, rabble, 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 run off stage. I'm like, oh, come on. And that's, the pro- <laughs> that's for the prologue or is that uh, through everything? That's throughout the throughout the show, all the way into, and I'm just jumping all over the place, even all the way into Dance of the Gym. You'll notice that, <laughs> and again, this might be my bias speaking, but the the Jets, they are, I mean, Riff in particular, it's like flip, back, tuck, turn, jump, flip, black, flip, flip. I'm like, you're trying so hard. The Sharks, all we have to do is just join our power together, and that is enough. So, because it's a collective experience of the cult, the share of cultural experience. Because the thing that the difference between the sharks and the jets is the sharks, as they're as it's written, they're all from the same place and they have the same collective cultural experience coming from one place to live in another. The jets are a grab bag from all over. They're from parents are from Ireland, from from Italy, from wherever. Poland, and, right? In Poland, yeah, definitely. So that uh, makes the sharks more. So it's like the shark. It's like the jets are quarrying up to try so hard to win over the audience, and all the sharks have to do is like, hmm. you love. Well, <laughs> I don't know if that's because Russ Tamblin couldn't dance for shit. Because in uh, when I did Seven Brides with Seven Brothers, he's not a dancer. He's one of the. <laughs> One of the brothers that are that is not a dancer, so they famously were like, "Do acrobats." He can. He's a gymnast, so he can do the acrobats. So I don't know if that's. It's but it's based off the original staging, and, and that's oh, how he, that's... even in the staging. Oh. Yeah, like, traditionally, riff is a tumbler, and it's a it's a. Oof, my hat is off to the riffs of the world, and I've known some wonderful, wonderful riffs, and I've known. I've known some riffs who were like well into their 40s and I was you know 25 or 24 yeah, 25 at the time and he was still tumbling on a rake stage mind you because we got to do a lot of opera houses Oof. and once I when I heard he was like 42 my jaw hit the floor and I'm like I feel like I can do anything now because I saw him do that <laughs> I'm not afraid <laughs> to age as a dancer anymore because our riff is in his 40s and he's fierce and so was our Anita at the time speaking of ages how old are these kids supposed to be well, they're supposed to be teenagers, <laughs> high school age, but um, that's one of the uh, things that's always funny because you always see like these 40-year-olds playing 20-year-olds. That's one thing for stage, but for film, I saw some crow's feet. <laughs> yeah, because so one... clearly they're in their 30s, but when you think about the, uh, when you think about Romeo and Juliet, I think Juliet's supposed to be like 13 or 14 and Romeo's supposed to be 15 or 16, which makes it even weirder (laughs) when you think about it so then obviously they're aged up a little bit where i think maria is supposed to be 16 am i wrong in saying that it's never specifically addressed um but it's definite that they're kids it's definite that they're uh, coming into their the flirting between being kids and being adults but mostly kids because the whole thing takes place in summer so we don't really know the school situation but there is a gym so we imagine there's I mean there's and glad hen walks in he's like the dorky principal or whatever but they never actually say that it was a school dance and if it's summer why are they having a dance 
<laughs> if it's attached to a school. So that was always sort of like an unspoken, we know they're teenagers, but we're not going to say teenagers. And Bernardo could very well be 20. We don't really, really know. Right. And Tony's supposed to be a little older than the rest of the Jets, but like right. by like a year or two. And also another, t- fun, I'm full of fun facts because I've been saying this for a long time. And I, I remember going to Arthur Lawrence lecture in Lincoln Center. Uh, this is before the, the the revival in 2009 or whatever that was. Um, and he was just speaking about the entire thing in his free lecture. It was really cool to hear from the horse's mouth. Um, and he actually attested that the the story wasn't necessarily aimed to reflect Romeo and Juliet, although it clearly reflects Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> but um, because originally it was supposed to be about uh, Jews versus Catholics in the Lower East Side. Yes, it was supposed to be called East Side Story. Different story. <laughs> with the Catholic Jets versus the Jewish Emeralds. Mm-hmm. Um, a very different dance to the gym. There would have been a bottle involved. <laughs> I read that Jerome Robbins went to Leonard Bernstein and Arthur Lawrence to do a musical adaptation of Romeo and Juliet. That's how the conception what is worded on there. It seems so clear. That's why I was surprised when Arthur just kind of denied that. And I'm like, but it's Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> I mean, you could just say that you, you and, and in the movie, you have a, and in the stage show, you have a wedding and there's a balcony scene, like. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was kind of strange. I mean, I don't think he, I mean, he didn't say necessarily that it was not supposed to reflect it. Um, I think it was primarily that it wasn't necessarily derived directly from that first, which again, surprised me. Cause I'm like, I'm like the characters are so crazy. You got Tybalt, you got Rikishio, but okay. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 sure, yeah. sure. It's not Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, no. <laughs> I 100% believe you. Let me see. Let me. I, I I wrote down a bunch of questions in the hopes that you would answer them, but like obviously, like you don't have to because they're just stupid little things where my mind was wandering. So you brought up Dance at the Gym, which I yearly well, like I watch it. I watch clips of that, like different productions of it. And uh, it's all the same, but with little differences here and there. But like, it's so fucking good. But who do you think won uh, the dance battle? <clears throat> well, that's okay. Okay, so that goes back to, I mean, to what I was saying before. I mean, if you're going off of tricks, I mean, clearly the Jets had to try really, really hard <laughs> to win over the audience. But the power of the Sharks just gathering together and hitting that line. Like, oh, God. Every, and, and doing it every night, that moment always just made my heart just like pound. And they, because you have the power. Because sometimes in choreography, there's this principle I still like offer to my students today. Sometimes less is more. And sometimes yes. it's like a simple charge because it's called it's traditionally called the shark's charge and a nice diagonal of the stage version, at least in the movie, it's a little flatter, but it's a nice diagonal in the stage version because the jets are like noise, 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 meow, meow, meow. And, they, and having the sharks just sweep across with that simple motion is just so electrifying. And then to see side by side with everybody. And again, with that like that Puerto Rican pride that's instilled in every cast and just, and again, speaking with their collective experience that's shared and coming from the same place as opposed to the shark, the jets, which come kind of from all over. It's just, and having that same hatred bestowed upon them so much. It's just that nice little like, fuck you, I'm fierce. And and they- 
Austin. They are oozing sex. Yes. With it's- with simple motions of like the women holding up their skirts and like moving their hips. I'm just like, yes, yes, mama. And the and the Anita Bernardo duet also is just so sensuous and it's like and they just hit lines and you see them really connected to each other. Riff and Graziello just trying to flip all over the place and just like, yeah, whatever, fine. <laughs> you really <laughs> and again I'm speaking, I'm I'm biased. So I will admit it my to the day is long. That's fine. But just you just see the sex between Anita and Bernardo. You know they just have really good sex together and all the way down to that last like ooh, that that lunch he has that he dips and they holds her up high and then the leg pops oh my god and then they clear the floor then rips like tumble 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 i'm a tumbler it's like we get it and then he and graziella are together but then here comes oh anita's callback the anita slide pepe and bernard are running sliding her across stage in a jazz split awesome blade pop up into a <laughs> shoulder sit oh i'm sorry but it's and uh, I'm uh, spent. <laughs> uh, I know. I'm just reliving that right now. I got electrified. So I mean, it's in the eye of the beholder. There's no clear winner. It depends on what your perspective on the story is, I suppose. Well, but yeah, would, if you if you want the so you think you can dance version, find the Jets. If you want like good old like uh, passion, I would say definitely the Sharks. So obviously, you're. I know you're biased towards Sharks, but you're picking the. You personally are saying the Sharks won the dance battle. Yeah, because you know what else? And I always thought this was funny. So when it comes to a dance battle, and I'm just going to like do this. I always thought it was ironic that when it comes to, to expression through dance, if we're going we're gonna to have a battle, why are the Jets using a Latin form to like try to like up the sharks? I'm like, you can't even, you can't even have anyone dance. You got to copy us everything you do. It's right? appropriation all the way to its core. It is pretty much like every like, Caucasian bridesmaid party. We're gonna do single ladies. I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> do your own dance. You find your thing. But this kind of turns me into the other problem with this property in general is the pan Latin treatment of the sharks. Why are Puerto Ricans doing a Cuban mambo? Why are yeah. they yelping around like Mexicans? Why are they saying ole like Spaniards? This was definitely just throwing a mishmash of oh the brown people stuff into one like pan Latin treatment. So that's another thing that's problematic about it because it's like they never met a Puerto Rican before. (laughs) They probably haven't. (laughs) (laughs) So we appreciate the the efforts, but it makes it more racist. The stage version opened in 1957. So Mm -hmm. what is that? Four years before the movie happened. It ran for, initially ran for two years and then it opened in the West End in uh, 1958. And then obviously there's been numerous revivals and You've been on 7,000 tours of it. Have you seen the one that was supposed to open last year in 2020? I am very sad that I did not. I really, really wanted to. And just when my schedule was starting to clear up, because I was at the Met a whole lot (laughs) and um, teaching every night. Um, And that's finally, I got to see what this thing is about. I've been asking everybody and then the world happened. So, Because that one, they did different choreography, right? They did different choreography. Um, they did have to bring in another choreographer to re-infuse some of the original flavor. I didn't see any of it. I haven't seen any samples, so I can't speak to what that means other than what I think it means. But again, I'm not a representative of the show, so I can't speak for them. They were doing a ballsy new version, which I thought was brave. Technically, the show didn't open. I mean, it, Yeah, it was in previews forever. It was in previews, and then when it was going to open, COVID hit. So yeah. it's unfortunate. It sounded wow. sounded wild and I wanted to see it. Hopefully it comes back when theater comes back. Fingers crossed. 
Positive yeah. note. Positive note. Positive. <laughs> positive note. But this year we're getting the movie remake. The Steven uh, Spielberg movie remake. We were supposed to have it already. I know, I know, but it's <laughs> but gonna I'm be glad on, they held off. It's gonna be on HBO Max. It's gonna be great because like they cast people of color to actually play the people of color they roles. They did it right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I, I was reading, they cast a trans non-binary actor to play anybody's. They really, oh, they did. Yeah. Uh, finally. <laughs> because, well, so speaking of anybody's, are they supposed to be transgendered or are they supposed to be a tomboy? Is it depending on the actor, director? It's, I mean, uh, unless there are, I mean, there are production notes that I've never seen before, so I don't know, like, what the original intent is, but it's never actually addressed, so, and that's where it's fun to see, especially a production that's outside of the confines of the Jerome Robbins Trust, to see how people interpret that, the way, and because it, it could be, it could be very well tomboy, and it could easily be non-binary, it could be transgender, and it's always, and that's why I appreciate that character being so boldly written all the way back then because I remember like experiencing that gender confusion on screen when I first saw the movie I mean the movie on tv I wasn't I'm I'm not that old (laughs) um but it it, at least just kind of like gets a conversation going about it something that wasn't really talked about back then um the 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 interpretation um that Joy McNeely did for the tours was that she was sexually abused and didn't want to be a girl anymore, so she wanted to try to be a boy instead. So it wasn't about a oh. it wasn't about a, a gender identity. It was about discarding femininity because of an assault. And I'm like, that's a really interesting take, and I can absolutely see that it could be really anyone's story. So I guess again, you you don't hear much about her. So she, right, she doesn't wear a skate. <laughs> I I feel like in the movie, anybody's was trans. Mm-hmm. But obviously there wasn't the identifier back then that yeah. was well known, I should say. There were identifiers, obviously, but like it wasn't widely talked about. So it's very, it's very interesting. I mean, obviously I'm reading that this viewing, next viewing, I could probably read it that she's a woman that wants to hang out with the boys, but not wear a skirt or whatever, like, you know. But I can absolutely see her like binding her chest and just trying to live as a gender outside of what she was assigned at birth. And it's but it's, it's so cool just to experience and just to have like a couple of little tidbits to go off of. And um, and since we have so much more language accessible to address different gender identities now, it just, it, it helps, again, keep the conversation going for people who wouldn't normally have that conversation because it's not their lived experience. So I wonder what the original intent was personally. I don't know, but I don't know what the original intent was hiring George Chakras to play Bernardo. <laughs> he was... He originated Riff on the Riff. West End. Yep. I was reading that. And he's of Greek descent. So it's like, mm-hmm. and then you cast Natalie Wood. That's another problem with this thing is he had a bunch of white boys and painting them orange and calling it a day. Now he did win the Oscar for it and he was exceptionally charming. And I thought he did a good, I mean, I'm not Puerto Rican, so I can't speak for Puerto Ricans, but I, I thought he at least did a respectful service toward rather than doing a caricature of a different culture. Um, now I got to meet him. He, he came to see us on tour in Japan. Really? Um, he was he was very, very nice guy. He, oh my God, because we were in Nago- Nagoya, Nagoya, Japan. This is back in like circa 2006. And um, he came to see our production. We were like, <gasps> George Security is watching us. And he talked to us <laughs> afterwards. And uh, he, oh my God, he just had the air 
first of all, he's aging fabulously. He he um, he had the air of like an old rock star. Yes, um, I'm, yeah, I'm here the, for it. Yeah, the sunglasses at night and the whole thing, and uh, he was just such a nice guy. And he was um, I, I don't know what his life is doing now, but at the time he was living in Japan and like making jewelry. And I'm like, well, when you're George Shakiris, you get to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a that was a real treat getting to to, to cross. We just happened to pass through his town who knew japan <laughs> i was also reading that uh elvis was robert wise's first choice to play tony <laughs> i didn't hear that one actually i mean it's on imdb <laughs> so take it with a grain of salt it was Maria. they uh he didn't take it because the colonel his manager and the one that owned he owned elvis um didn't like that Elvis was going to sing only half the songs and not get any royalties. So <laughs> I'd love to hear him handle Mario. <laughs> Oopsies. He but... definitely wouldn't hit that. He wouldn't hit the optional B flat, but they didn't do the movie. So it's okay. <laughs> so at the very beginning during the prologue, you know, the, the kid that um, Riff throws the basketball to. Yes. That is Kit Culkin, Macaulay Culkin's dad. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's so cool. Surprise. Wow. Yeah. And it's speaking of the prologue, it's very interesting that seven minutes into the movie, you get the first line of dialogue and it's from a an extra. And that's what I love so much about the storytelling of this. This is one of my favorite things about the movie is just because it wasn't the first movie to do storytelling just through choreography and dance, but it's one of the first pe- ones people will remember because uh, I, I, I mean, this was after Oklahoma, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it was definitely after Oklahoma. Um, and I love that, um, and that's one note I made for myself was the difference between the prologue from the stage show versus the movie. The movie really got to stretch it out longer and utilize all that like concrete jungleness and be really cinematic about it. Cause it's, it's a much shorter prologue on the stage show. So they got to build a lot more tension that way. And it was just really fun to Ooh. experience. Um, and uh, the bomb I had said something else about it. yeah it was just a, it was a it was a better build yeah I I just like that there's they toy with the violence until the end obviously when they cut baby John but like they were just pranking each other so yeah that's why that's where I'm just like okay so how old are you really supposed to, are you supposed to be like 15 16 are you supposed to be like a smattering of ages which I can understand it could be i mean i would say between like 14 and 20 or so if i were to kind of guess but it's just again it's never really specifically addressed but um they they're clearly 30 year old men who yeah gone through <laughs> dance boot camp <laughs> and uh and a bunch of greek boys painted orange who are running around yelping like mexicans like yeah, go, 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 go. i'm like oh, God, no <laughs> Ooh, i was uh um on my tour i was invited to come up with a little spanish for my those crosses and so i was like he's like tell me some dirty phrases and so i'm like okay well suck my dick it's true me and fuck your mom it's chica tu madre and that's, <laughs> so i got to cousin spanish every night it was wow really fun. <laughs> and <laughs> only... not everyone knew that <laughs> especially when you're performing to a chinese audience with super titles in mandarin and Cantonese <laughs> and english <laughs> so i got we got away with murder <laughs> um i I didn't. I was reading. They didn't cut any songs, right? They they cut the ballet, the somewhere ballet, but they, they cut the somewhere ballet. But they yeah. just rearranged the songs. So, I guess if we're, if we're getting into the rearrangement of numbers, yeah. um, this is one I still kind of want. I mean, I assume it's cut for time 
because it's already kind of running long. But oh, it was just one of my favorite parts of the show with the scherzo and the the, the the perceived land of happiness where we get all just frolic together and it starts really playfully and cute and then we're all in a circle and then it turns into the somewhere ballet the uh, the um, the pas de cease, which is the ballet moment where you see Tony and Tony and Maria traditionally dance the fantasies together with the other couples. And you just see like jet shark couple, jet shark couple. And it's just like the right. most beautiful moment and just seeing this whole what if, and then, and oh, I just got a chill flashbacks. And then we have this beautiful soundscape. And then when we have all of the jets, the jets and all the sharks dressed in white, like seeing each other for the first time and just letting the hate go and turning toward the audience and singing, there's a place for us. There's a place oh. for us. Oh, and then there's- You're gonna make me cry, Tony. Don't make me I'm cry. about to cry Don't too. And then, yeah. ooh, because then, then right when it's like, uh, we have a little knees, feet together, arms floating up, there's a, and then we don't finish because Nightmare Riff and Bernardo come in with like all in white, but with their scars bloodied. And then like, <gasps> it just turns into <gasps> this whole like nightmare. So everything pulls away from the audience. And then we're back into reliving the night, night fight. Scary music, red lights, the whole thing. Riff dies again, Bernardo dies again. And this whole thing swirls away. And then Tony and Maria <sighs> fall back into bed. And that's when they had their final hold my hand in your half. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> I did. I, I worked on a production of it once where now is it usual that during the summer ballet that you're dressed in the same costume but in white or yep. beiges? Uh, our production was all white. The same same costume, the white version. Which yeah, was okay. Clever. That... Like all the all the color is gone. It's perfect. It's perfect. Right. Um, uh, uh, except for obviously when Riff and Bernardo show up because it's after the rumble and they are dead. Dead. Yeah, done, and done. it's a remind. And it's just a reminder. It's like we're trying to have a nice dream. We're trying to hope it. Then like reality sets back in and just puts us back in the negative place we were to begin with, and we just can't escape it so the whole thing is about somewhere it's like this imaginary place where this doesn't exist because over here it's always going to exist and no matter how much we try to act like it won't it always will and uh, here we are today you're gonna make me cry <laughs> oh no i don't know i don't know how to segue out of this so i'm gonna do oh. a hard hard segue oh no you I got have, one I, I have it actually because this really like stirred me today when I was watching I haven't watched this movie in years it was very memory lane and um so I was making notes and everything so okay jet song jet song hooray jet song one year about jet and then just hearing because again like the only line that really gives there are two lines one of the only lines where the jets really give a solid answer as to why they hate the sharks so much and hate other people coming in it's like the sh my my pop says the sharks are ruining free enterprise so it's an, it's an economy thing. That's mm. the only time they list a real reason other than like, this is our turf, get off our turf. And then also at the end, after the, the Anita taunt, when Doc is saying, you make this world lousy. And to the stage version, the line is, that's the way we found it, Doc. The movie says, so it's like, well, it was like this already. I'm like, why did you use original line? It's so much better. So they're working with the hatred they've been handed from the parents that brought them here. And so they're just working with what they have. So those are the only two real lines that actually express it from, unless I'm mistaken, I could be, I could be missing a couple. However, so we're going through jet song. I'm like, oh, the whole thing is like, mm, the jets are in gear. It's ours, it's ours. Everything's ours. Everything belongs to us. This is our land. This is our land. We're hanging a sign saying every, no visitors are, uh, wait, we're hanging a sign. 
saying visitors forbidden and we ain't kidding and i was like oh my wow. god this could this could be the proud boys anthem oh no 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 i'm no, ruining no. jet song for you now <laughs> so the, go through the jet song again and imagine the proud boys singing those exact lyrics and so when I, again, I've been living this experience on stage, being called a spick every single night, because it's my job and just absorbing that hatred from Lieutenant Shrank from the other jets and everything, and just living with that negativity so much. And then hearing jet song, I'm like, oh, you just think everything's yours. You just think it's all yours. It wasn't yours. You came here, too. your dad swam here too. It wasn't just us. And then, and then having what the current events are now and what happened this past year, and then reinterpreting it with that, I'm like, oh my God, I want to restage Jet Song with Clans people. <laughs> you don't have to change a word. Wow. Boom, boom, I wonder, boom. I wonder how they're going to do it. So is it sad to say that I'm st- stupidly looking forward to this, mo- this remake? Like I'm super, I'm stupidly excited oh. for it. Yes, me too, because I think it's going to be done. It's, it's done right. I have plenty of friends who are in it who have been giving me all the details. And this, it's not... all positive things? Oh, or... my God, yes. Just doing everything right. Steven Spielberg really treating it with respect and Rita Moreno being really involved and everything. Oh, God. And, and, um, and uh, yeah, and, and my friends who have been in it, like Steven's, apparently, I wish I could save myself, but I, was, <laughs> I wasn't in it. Um, apparently was so gracious to everybody learned your name knew who you were said hello to you was conversational hi because my friend um yeah my friend you know plug Tenari Vasquez Broadway Tenari Vasquez she's okay. she was, uh, I did uh, tours with her and she's done a million Broadway shows since then she's one of the most talented people I know um she um she is in the movie they created a role for her she got a couple lines which I can't wait to see her do and um and okay. yeah I, so she I was hate... saying that he was so nice I hate to say it, but hopefully she makes the cut. You know, like you never know. Cross, but <laughs> you've got Tony Kushner writing the screenplay for it, which love him. He mm-hmm. he's great. And then Justin Peck as the choreographer. How do I know his name? I didn't look him up, and I'm really bad. Ballet. Oh, he's from the ballet world. He's the ballet world. Yeah. So yes. do and you? Choreographed... Uh, I, I'm 95% sure he choreographed Carousel on Broadway as well. That's it. That's how I knew it. Do you think he's going to do different routines? It is different. It is different. Um, I I don't, I haven't heard that they did any of the original. From what I understand, it's a completely different vision, but it's really smart using Justin Peck and someone from the established ballet world to make that transition, who also has a background in theater. So I can't wait. Everything I've heard has been enthralling. You know what? I'm excited for this dance at the gym then because. (gasps) I know. I don't I don't know what to expect but uh hopefully so the this original movie that we're talking about sorry to go on a tangent guys welcome to podcasting um (laughs) the original movie won 10 academy awards was not it it was nominated for 11 it didn't win best adapted screenplay um but it won best picture best director best supporting actor and actress so on and so forth which Hair toss. <laughs> Both sharks. Which can't be said about the Tonys, though, because for the Tonys, it only won Best Scenic Design and Best Choreography. It was nominated for Best Musical, but it lost to Music Man. And it didn't get good reviews when it came out, which is funny because it's such a theatrical staple and it's one show to always be lived up to, but it wasn't well, well received. Well, that at the was beginning. Like the 2009 revival as well, where they 
did the in Spanish, right? That was a, was that the 2009 one? Yes, and I missed that production too, unfortunately. So many of my tour friends made their way into that one, and I'm, I regret not seeing it. I think I was out of town a lot. Uh, but yeah, that, that was risky, and, and they didn't. And I, I mean, when I was told that it was in Spanish, Durga dialogue is in Spanish without originally without subtitles. I'm like, well, the sharks barely get to say anything now, and now you're gonna have what literally have to say, not be understood by the audience who has to hear it. Well, you figure you know the songs. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to have the the songs in Spanish because wh- I know how I feel pretty. I know that one. Hmm. I know America. If Maria sings part of, or they sing their part of um, tonight in Spanish, like we we know it. I mean, we sorry, we, the, we know it, but new audiences won't necessarily know it, and that's, that's the problem. True. And we're trying to keep people engaged. We need the young people to still love theater and want to pay for theater and keep it alive. But Karen so Oliva won the Tony for that, so that's all I care about. <laughs> care about Karen. So famously, Marnie Nixon is the singing voice for Natalie Natalie Wood. Wood. She also provided the singing voice for Rita Moreno for part of the quintet because... That makes sense. Because it's like Mm -hmm. up there. And then also Betty Wand is another voice actress. She provided for Anita in A Boy Like That Only, which is weird. (laughs) Well... A Boy Like That also has one of my favorite harmonies in all of musical theater history. At the end, near the end, we're like, when love comes Uh Oh, God. It still, it just melts melts my heart every single time. So that is a different song than Squawk in America, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, like the music, oh, God. I know, I know we're all over the place talking about this, but like the music in this show was very forward and very daring. Because, like, cool just ends. Mm-hmm. There is no, like, belted out long note that with a button. It just hit the snapping and then well, cause, done. Because Riff is dancing his dick off and he can't sustain it. Sorry, I'm sorry. For the movie, it's Diesel, which we'll, I'm bookmarking because that's a big one. <laughs> well, but for the stage show, I'm like, they got to dance and sing and now they got to do the war council scene? They're out of breath. They've been dancing their asses off. For well, cool moment. happens and it's not diesel it's ice i think or is it diesel i don't remember Did they rename him ice for the movie because because traditionally the way that is translated in the original stage show because he's the one who's up for the fair fight for the rumble which is like their mm-hmm. biggest guy um oh yeah i guess they did rename him ice yeah because rename- <laughs> initially that's supposed to be the diesel character which is kind of i'll bookmark that <laughs> when we get there uh, but you're, you're saying in terms of the music and how the yeah because like you have that quintet which is gorgeous and beautiful and everyone's singing every single note possible and then you dare us with a prologue with a beautiful overture and prologue that has zero singing in it and i'm just here for here for it and then the finale the finale the last line is said by uh uh, maria which is teodoro anton (laughs) and you have seven minutes left of the film that's fucking ballsy, and I and again I'm here for it and more nonverbal storytelling, which means that there, there's room for choreography or really clever direction and just a gesture. You know, the simple act of the jet boy putting the scarf over Maria's head, saying "I understand now," mm-hmm. and having the jets try to carry Tony's body and stumbling, and then two sharks come to 
their aid and now they're and now they're looking at each other and it just like it just ah i just and then love you, you have them all like, like do a processional out and then the rest of the gangs leave and then uh uh oh but um, before that maria reaches for help and then pepe is like sorry i'm still full of hate and that was my role a lot of times i love being pepe he was such a shit <laughs> he was uh, like the, he was like the shark the shark <laughs> of, of action <laughs> I got a question. Why are the the jet women part of cool in the movie? I don't understand it. They're part of cool in both versions, actually. Well, so because in the stage version, though, cool is supposed to happen before the rumble. Yeah. Okay. so we're going to do this because this is a big, big difference. I've had a problem with this before. Uh, And storytelling wise, because I just I love the placements of cool in the movie so much more. Um, yes, it makes uh, it makes a ton of it's sense. Ch- dramatically, it makes so much more sense. There's so much more charged. They're grieving. It makes them crazier. Like the whole piano solo from Arab is so much better because he's like like falling apart with grief and madness. Um, but to answer your question, originally, yes, it originally is an Act One before the War Council Council after Dance of the Gym. So the girls are there. <clears throat> in the stage version because they just came for the dance of the gym yeah, yeah and the whole thing is riff just telling everyone to just like everyone calm down let's just be cool we have a war council um and the because uh and that's when and that's set up with a line like uh he's trying to get graciela and velma to leave um it's like um then graciela's line is like i and velma ain't kid stuff neither i'll worry about it she's like ooh, 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 which, yeah. whatever so that's them refi- refusing to leave because um and then the number builds from there. So in the stage version, they are in cool. Right. So in the I just movie version, they're in cool because now they're all grieving Riff together. And that placement of the number in the movie makes more sense because Graziella and Velma and whoever the third, I think it's like Clarice, or they always change the name, uh, the third girl who never gets any lines, um, who gets to dance the trio, they would be with their gang, grieving Riff. And we actually get to see Graziella have that moment of her boyfriend being dead that we get from Anita. So mm-hmm. dramatically, and then it's really charged that they're doing that with them. And so now Ice, in this case, is unofficially taking the torch on because action's too much of a drama queen and a hothead to be in charge of anything, even though technically he's a lieutenant, um, from what is understood. Uh, just Get it, getting the Jets to kind of like calm down and just work in this together. Let's move on. And um, yeah, it makes sense to me. So, but having Krupke <laughs> where it is in the movie, I love too, because it's just, it keeps everything light for the first. And, and what it does is it stretches out act one to mostly take over the whole movie. Because uh, act one is supposed to end with a rumble. And then I, I feel pretty like you said, brings the audience back. It's like, oh, okay, let's be light for one more moment and we're going to be depressed for the rest of the show. Um, and it kind of takes Maria's excitement and shatters it when she finds out that her brother died when she comes to tell. Um, but having G Officer Krupke placed the way it is in the show, in the stage show, Krupke, Cool and Krupke are swapped. So that means we had a death. We're back in Act 2. We haven't seen the Jets yet. We had the dream ballet and now that we see the jets together for the first time we see baby john and arab try to comfort each other now we see everyone else coming back in um and i'm like you're grieving your leader and the first thing you're gonna do is stick about krupke 
what the hell is wrong with you kids? Yeah, <laughs> it no, seems the, so misplaced. And like, there is no stage version that does the movie version, right? Like the placement of songs? Nothing that's allowed to do the, the, the Jerome Robbins official version is allowed to do that. But at the same time, if you listen to Krupke in a more disturbing sense, especially those horns, just go boom, 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 bop, 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 bop. Uh-huh. It is also a little chilling in the stage version to see the Jets come from a place of grief and l- being lost and just picking something to laugh at. And we just need to like, or, or whatever it is, it makes it a little more interesting because it just seems so misplaced. And it's, but it's our last time to laugh before the rest just goes to shit. But storytelling wise, I just love the way it's done in the movie so much better. It just makes more sense. It lets us love Riff more because Riff is leading Krupke rather than action. So it's another light moment for Riff. So we grieve his loss more because he was, we were charmed by him more by seeing him do Krupke. I 100% agree with you with that, with, <laughs> with that whole spiel. Well, let's get into Sharp and Flat, shall we? Yes. Sharp Flat. So in this section, we're going to highlight even more moments that, from what we've discussed. And if we liked it, it's sharp. And if we didn't like it, it's flat. I'm pretty sure you and I may have a similar <laughs> flat, but let's, because it's like the-, the I, I have a list. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. I have a list too. Tell Perfect. me your tell me your sharps. Let's start with the positives. <clears throat> um, my sharps, um, well, I already said this, nonverbal storytelling through choreography and clever direction and uh-huh. stage direction. So that was already said. Uh, but another sharp, <laughs> this is a detail, leather cuffs on shark boys. Ooh, yeah. Shows yeah. that they're bad boys. <laughs> yeah. And it, it just with good accessories. I still have mine, actually. I have a couple of mine. That's my first sharp. <laughs> are, you, are we going sharp by sharp or are we going lists? Uh, you could tell me your list if you want. I mean, um, it yeah, uh, I also, um, again, this isn't everything. I just kind of like jotted a few things down because I figured we'd touch on other points. Um, yeah, uh, for the movie version, I just love that there was so much more for the sharks, more of a shark perspective. So it's more of a balanced story, not weighed so much more heavily on the jet side. And you got to love the sharks more. And the boys got to dance. Oh, the boys got <laughs> and to the, dance. Oh, the choreography is just so much better in the movie version. Again, I love the four girls. It's powerful, but come on, we all know. And yeah, in America, that was another sharp of mine. Uh, it all flows together. I already talked about the Krupke and Cool Swap. And ooh, the knife fight. <laughs> and the knife fight <laughs> the, is the same as the, the original. light uh, and the, the light shining on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay, maybe not that so much. But the choreography of it and the way it moves to the music. <clears throat> it's, and, and, and having done it before, it's just so enthralling. And so you can't miss a beat. You can't. And oh my God, to have <laughs> to be on stage and nothing else is happening but you holding a knife. And there's an entire musical cue for you to flip the knife and catch it. <laughs> to taunt Riff is terrifying. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, but it's just, I think it's so well staged and the way it moves to the music is just really enthralling. The music is incredible and it just builds and builds and builds until it stops with an unintended stab. So good. I wrote down for Sharps in all caps, choreography. Yes. I mean, you know, Duh. just everything. I love, I love it. I love it. I love it. I love the Maria dress. I mean, I know that's the one that everyone tries to copy but it, it's yeah. it's the OG of Maria dress. Dance the gym for everything you said. That's what I was feeling. Uh, I didn't I didn't have the words. You gave me the words. Thank you. Yes, and the words. Best um, for that blues. <laughs> Doc is the best character in this whole movie. 
people have their biases. He's the most neutral. He talks to the sharks and the jets the same. Mm-hmm. He's the one that has to unfortunately deliver the news that Maria is presumably dead thanks to Anita. Mm. But like speaking of the commentary uh, that like that you were ta- that you're talking about with the watching it in with 2021 eyes after everything that's gone down mm. in the last few months, he has the questions that we're asking ourselves <laughs> like. Why are you doing this? <laughs> yeah. Why you got always got to live like there's a war on. Yes. My, my, one of my favorite lines. And then, but then I, when he gets the, after the taunt scene, when he gets the jets, he's like, you make this world lousy. <gasps> Our doc Herman Petrus, every time he said that, it just shook me to my core. And I was off stage. <laughs> and then finally, I love the silence that is used when Tony is looking for Chino. After, mm. after Mar- speaking of when Maria is quote unquote dead, this there is a you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. It is beautiful and in I New York love City it. at night. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> so what are your flats? <laughs> okay, so I guess I should just insert. I had to start at the top of the page, <clears throat> and I as a point to make. So I'm going to make it my top flat. My top flat is the absence of credit for. The co-choreographer, Peter Gennaro. Oh, okay. Did you know there was a I, co-choreographer? <laughs> I, th- I knew that. I also knew that Jerome Robbins was fired from the movie. For- right. Um, originally, when it was originally created, he, there was a co-choreographer named Peter Gennaro. And I hate, super flat that I have to keep looking up his name because no one knows it. And it's always hard to remember. And this goes on my tangent about choreographers and co-choreographers and associate choreographers getting ripped off from their work. My example, single ladies, most favorite dance, <laughs> everyone's favorite dance. Who choreographed it? No one knows because they get run over. So this guy was um, originally mostly known for pretty much creating d- all the shark choreography which is some of the best stuff, the Latin stuff. um, And in her, I'm pretty sure in her, I didn't see it in her show, um, um, Cheetah Rivera, it was either in her show or some other performance, uh, one woman where she's like, in in West Side Story, we, the sharks, we had our own choreographer, but we don't know his name. And his contract, I just learned, is actually in Lincoln Center Library. And you can see where it, um, it was co-choreographer, it was supposed to be credited co-choreographer, but in his contract, it was supposed to state that Jerome Robbins held all the rights to everything that they did together and he had so much to do with this and nobody knows his daughter Liza tries to keep telling the story but I even checked the credits I knew they weren't going to show up I mean even today you can't find choreographer credits it's always down by the caterers but yeah awful rude right so technically he was like the co-choreographer but treated as the associate and some on some searches you'll find him credited as an assistant but there was another mind here and his legacy has gone completely unnoticed and I think it's horrible. So that is my top flat. The entire thing is Peter Gennaro being left off. Okay, well, I have the <laughs> I have the most basic one. The, <laughs> yeah. the casting of the sharks and their accents and the brown face. Same! <laughs> and they're 30. And they're, well, that, I, I can live with that. Just like cast people of color and people of color roles. I didn't like that like smudging effect that they use in the movie. So like, oh yeah, in somewhere when they're on the balcony, um, and they're like in the middle of the frame, the rest of the frame is like mm-hmm. yeah. smudged out. Dewey. So you yeah, so you're supposed to you're supposed to pay attention to them, and I'm just like, I don't like this. 
<laughs> it, like I know what I'm supposed to pay attention to. This I, is yeah, dumb. I didn't. I also didn't like Lieutenant Shrank's racism. I know it's supposed to be a thing, but like I was hoping that in 1950s New York City, 1950, that's when this was supposed to take place. Oh uh, yes, late 50s. I was hoping that at least the, uh, this is me and my my idealistic white brain. I was just like. I hope you would show some sort of like unbiasedness. Oh, but that's central to the plot. It's systemic. And that's what we find out. It's not just these kids. It comes from above. And when he says in that one scene at the, uh, after the war council, after he shoots the sharks out and calls them spicks, same, you know, I want to clean up this beat and you boys can do this for me. It's like, oh, it's so systemic. And then when they, and then notice when they wouldn't do it for him, they wouldn't tell him where the rumble was going to happen. He's like, well, you and you, they gets racist toward them too. It's like you scum and you're the tin horn immigrants you 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 come from or whatever. So he's just hateful all around. But that's 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 a really important theme. That's why I love Doc because he's not that. (laughs) He's the opposite. There is no fucking way Chino could have killed Tony from that angle with the <laughs> with the chain link fence in the way and everything like there he would have shot maria first let's be real here i mean, just a really good shot maybe i mean if he just got him in the spine in just the right way i mean it's just it is very specific that is a good point i guess i never thought of it that way <laughs> he, he could also do the poison shoe which is poison uh, shoe oh i love that myth. <laughs> uh the urban legend that i have no idea if it's true or not but it's it, in the words of kathy griffin now, I don't know if that's true, and I can't say that it is, but it is a rumor, and that's good enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> I have Krupke's fat suit, because he's clearly in a fat suit. If you look at his head, and then you look at, like, the belly, it's like, you're not even trying to make I, it look like he's that shape. <laughs> I didn't even pay attention to Krupke. I was just like, I don't care about you. Same, but I noticed it today. I also have Rick-a-ticket tum-tum. That line just bothers me. <laughs> Which one? Is, who says that? A riff to Tony in the first scene together. Rigged ticket tum tum Tony. Why not? You can't say no without saying why not. I'm like, are we naming Jellicle cats now? Well, because <laughs> I, I read that Arthur Lawrence made up his own slang to keep Luke, it timeless, and it, and also to not uh, because he couldn't allow cussing. So so that's why that's there. But that one just always irked me. I'm like, that's just dumb. <laughs> Stephen Sondheim wanted them to be the first Broadway show to say fucking shit in it in the lyrics. <laughs> Yeah, and that an oobly oo with Velma. Ooh, ooh, oobly oo. I'm like, okay, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but it's part of the charm. So, Tony, in a hypothetical situation, you are cast yet again in this show, okay? <laughs> but you get to pick whatever part you want. Which part would it be? Well, if we're being realistic, there's no, and here's the problem, like, because with the legacy of West Side Story, the Jets get to age into other characters. They get to move into Strength, they get to move into Doc, they get to move into Glad Hand, they get to move into Krupke. We got nowhere to go. After we're Bernardo, we may as well be dead. So <laughs> if we're going traditionally, no, there no. would be no role for me. Pure oh, fantasy. Pure fantasy. Oh, oh, pure fantasy. Um, 
You could play Anita yeah. for all I care. I was going to say, it's going to be Anita. Oh, my God. They say every girl <laughs> wants to be Maria. Bullshit. Oh, no. I will take Anita any day. She gets to do everything and steal the show. And she gets the biggest applause. And Anita gets to get her kicks or wants to get her kicks tonight. Yes. But I think she should be she shaving. Although I think she should be sh- shaving something in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> my girlfriend's like, that's what she'd really be doing. Not putting on stocking. <laughs> uh, would you add any of these songs from the movie version to your life's playlist? Yes. All of them. And they already are part of my life's playlist but i if, if you, i had to quickly j- grab one you could say all, i've i wrote down the whole album i mean i fucking love this, oh, yeah. the music it, it's beautiful it, absolutely it and something there's so much hope and something's coming and the way the the way it's orchestrated the way the music goes it's like a pulse it's like a heartbeat and you could just feel what he's talking about in terms of like something positive's coming and i just really want to believe that right now um but also short answer the uh the top of dance of the gym the blue section Oh, it's just so dirty. And like I've I've come full circle. Well, not I've done a 180, I should say. And I sort of now like one hand, one heart. I didn't like it for the longest time, but like I kind of dig it. It's easy that kind of okay when you fast forward, but like it's it's beautiful music and. I mean, although, I mean, they did meet just like that the day before, but... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's a little weird, but I'll take it. I'm like, do you know your last name first? <laughs> do we know their last names? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I love you, the first scene. I'm like, what's her last name? You don't know her? Okay, kids. I mean, <laughs> and now it's it, back to being kids. <laughs> I mean, it's not like... It... God, now I just want to watch the share version of it. <laughs> oh my God, me too. <laughs> But uh, we've come to the end, unfortunately. We did it. Do this all day. We did it. Yes. We did it. We talked about oh a musical and didn't die. Did. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on this. I could do this all day. This has been fun. Yeah. Tony, is there anything you want to plug or promote? What have you? Um, I guess the quickest. I mean, we're months away from where this is airing, but please follow me on social media on Instagram. I'm to- My last name is spelled G U E R R. E-R-O. It's Tony Guerrero 5678. And uh, <laughs> any classes? I, mean, <laughs> I know. Because um, I am a dance instructor and choreographer. And in this weird time, I'm teaching a lot of Zoom classes. Um, I created Burlesque Jazz for Broadway Dance Center, an all-level mm-hmm. sexy dance experience. So currently, I'm scheduled there through the spring on Monday. So feel free to look me up, take my class. I do other workshops all over the place. So uh, come and have a sexy moment with me. And we're going to just forget the world and just focus on empowerment and of course slutty movement slutty slutty movement um (laughs) (laughs) and if you want to get in touch with the podcast you can email me at buttersongpod at gmail.com and uh, i'm on facebook instagram and twitter at buttersongpod um give me your thoughts and feelings about west side story are you stupidly excited as i am for the remake Mm -hmm. Should I bring Tony on to talk about the remake? I think oh I'm going God. to. Fuck it. Yes. You know what? I'm going to. <laughs> and then if you want to be part of ne- next episode, we're going to talk about Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. All right. So, um, I don't know. I don't know how to end this one. Shapoopy. Shapoopy. <laughs> <laughs> what a Shapoopy. <laughs>
All right, bye guys. Oh, bye for now. Thank you so much. There's a place for us, guys. Oh, <laughs> yes. There we are. <laughs> Somewhere. Special thanks to Justin Johnson for creating the podcast's artwork and to Nick Bombasino for composing the theme song and the jingles in this podcast. And thank you to Castbox for hosting this podcast. Bye again, everyone, and have a musical day.